0: The best part? You can try Audible free for 30 days and get your first audiobook on them. It's a great way to experience storytelling while supporting this podcast. To get started, go to thenextreel.com slash audible or text the reel to 500-500. Listen to incredible audiobooks and support the show today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible.
1: I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Song of the Exile is over. Grandma cooks well, not like mommy. Here we go, Andy. This is our uh, Ann Hui, Ann Hui series. And we've taken a trip back in time mm. uh, to hit this uh, movie Song of the Exile from 1990. Um, w- w- why again are we talking about Ann Hui?
0: As we're looking at different filmmakers to include in this particular season, she was one of these filmmakers that, uh, I mean, a very robust filmography, had been doing a lot of different projects um, over the decades, but somebody that neither of us had heard about, and her films generally seemed to be received pretty well. So I think uh, with that in mind, we thought, you know, this would be an interesting um, new director for us to explore. So here we are.
1: All right. And how did it work for me?
0: I think that you thought this was okay. I think that, um, there were elements that you appreciated in the story, but it, you didn't, you weren't quite able to completely connect with the story as a whole.
1: Okay. I think that you probably liked it more than I did. I think you liked it more than I did. I think you probably
0: connected More than more than I think you liked it or are you actually saying more than you No, more you
1: did? than I think you liked it. The implication is then you think <laughs> I liked it and I think or you think I liked it middling and I think you liked it more than that. Okay. Okay. Gotcha, and gotcha. uh because I think you continue to really connect with these sort of uh small family discovery movies and that's and 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 so i think you you probably were i <laughs> can't say anything without outing myself <laughs> I, think that, I think that job is done i think uh, that you were uh, uh hornswoggled into believing that this is a great movie <laughs> okay,
0: okay. All right, uh, this this film, "Song of the Exile." You know, I have a no rating information for this film because it wasn't released here in the states. So, I would say if it had been, it probably would be PG. Hey, do you want to watch this movie and help us out? Well, good luck with this one. Uh, you're not going to see it on Apple or Amazon. But you know what? Uh, this, this is one of those movies that you kind of have to just go find on YouTube. Somebody's put it up there. Um, that being said, any of our other movies, if you see the Apple or Amazon link for the movie in our show notes, just click on it. It'll take you to their site and you can rent or buy the movie. It's a great way to support the show uh, without really anyone having to uh, spend any extra money.
1: Big holiday refresh coming. That's all I'm saying. Big holiday refresh coming on the merch store. T- TrueStory.fm slash TNR merch, uh, shirts, stickers, mugs, mass pillows, uh, everything that uh, that you you want. Uh, you want you want a phone case? We got that too, uh, with the logos that we derive from the movies that we're watching on the show. TrueStory.fm slash TNR merch. But you know, as merchandisers, Andy, we we probably could have gotten our big refresh done in november back when people were still shopping for the holidays that would have been probably true probably that would have been great for past pete and andy to do yes now it is still left for future pete and andy
0: oh That's well. true. We're, we try there's always stuff. next holiday season <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are featuring your audio reviews Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on the show and we know other listeners would as well so send us an audio file about 30 seconds long to reviews at truestory.fm as soon as you watch the movie we just might end up showcasing your voice on the show you gotta get them in quick though we record about two weeks in advance so make sure you watch the movie send it in uh, with time so that we can include it in the edit. Again, send it to reviews at truestory.fm.
1: That's poppycock, Andy. How would I possibly know what movie you're going to talk about in weeks' time? How would I possibly know that? Well, I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> fake listener. Uh, you can head over to the Next reel, uh, next reels letterboxed HQ page. Uh, you can either search for us in letter at letterbox dot com. You can just visit. We've even put it up there uh, as uh, letterbox dot slash the next reel. You can't. You really can't miss it. And uh, once you get up there, uh, you'll see our watch list for all the movies that we're talking about coming up. We don't. We don't surprise you. There are no surprises here, unless it's a, a surprise. List. We've done that sometimes, but mostly it's not a surprise. Uh, we want you to know what we're talking about, so you can watch ahead and, and know what's going on before we actually uh, talk about the movie. So uh, you can have there, if you fall in love with it, if you fall in love with Letterboxd as a social network for movie lovers, then you can actually upgrade your account, get rid of those pesky ads, and support the team at Letterboxd uh, by applying the discount code NEXTREEL when you upgrade to either patron or pro. Uh, on your account, you get 20% off that account. We get a little taste, a little sniff right off the top, but uh, mostly you're just supporting a great team of folks who are making this app and uh, uh, helping us to track uh, the movies that we love and sometimes the ones that we don't love too. This works for renewals as well.
0: And hey, if you're looking for way other ways to continue supporting this independent podcast during the holiday season, what better way than by signing up to become a member? If you've heard of Patreon, we're basically using Patreon, but it's their other platform called Memberful, which actually integrates the membership platform right into our own site. Consider becoming a member either month to month or at the annual rate, and you'll get all sorts of yummy holiday goodies.
1: Do you have, Andy, do you have a favorite bonus that we've done?
0: Like a specific uh, episode? Or do yeah. you mean yeah, a, a specific favorite offering? Yeah, like? no, a
1: episode. Favorite episode. Single episode.
0: Well, I awfully enjoyed talking about Tenet. That was a fun conversation.
1: Yeah, that was fun.
0: I also kind of enjoyed uh, the the, uh, battle that we had in our conversation about equilibrium.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be a highlight for me, too. Because, I mean, it's just, it's so rare that not only do we disagree, but also that you are categorically wrong. (laughs) Anyway. We do a lot of bonus episodes, he says, leaving it on the last word. Uh, And uh, we love doing these bonus episodes, and we would love it if you would come listen to them and listen to them by becoming a member. There's a monthly bonus episodes that fill in a gap from one of our series that we've done in the past. Members get to vote on what we'll be talking about in these monthly member bonus episodes. We do a flick chart re-ranking episode. We get that out of the way. And uh, to shake up our flick chart list, uh, we're still waiting for that, uh, under the cherry moon, uh, two thousand one mashup, and uh, of this season we've got uh, we've been doing our retake series, which is a single bonus episode where we talk about the entire series as we finish that series. And uh, those have been really fun to uh, kind of explore what we've learned over looking at how these movies that we talk about are connected. Head over to truestory.fm slash TNR membership to learn more about the membership tiers. The most it'll cost you is $5 a month or $55 a year. And for you uh, movie lovers who love people who love movies... One of the things that you can do on our site, which you can't do on Patreon, where we used to be, is you can actually give the gift of membership. You can actually give someone a true story membership. Uh, So, you know, if you're if it's late and you you want a last minute Christmas gift or you listen to this after the holidays and you think, oh, goodness, I forgot to give a gift to somebody and I should have. Well, you could you could now do this. Give him give the gift of, of uh, the next reel. The gift of the next reel. The gift we're of the such next a reel. Gift. So a gift. You're a gift. So true.
0: <laughs> no, you are. <laughs>
1: Andy, uh, Song of the Exile, I opened the notes and I saw that you had written this question and I thought you had so perfectly, perfectly captured my feeling about this movie. It actually echoes the last line I wrote in my notes. <laughs> you wrote, who is the exile and why does she get her own song? And I wrote, wait, wait.
0: Whose story is this? (laughs) I don't know. so funny Um, so funny Uh, although i i I don't know if i like that question more or my follow-up question why were perms ever in fashion
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I wrote about perms too oh Oh, perms perms. are the worst and she really really had the right idea pushing back on the perm i wish she had been a little bit stronger that might have been made for a more interesting story element Um, (laughs) wow hair just chopped off and permed right in front of us that was rough that was brutal. That uh, to, was to brutal to watch. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, w- was I right? Did you like this movie uh, more than I did? Because spoiler, I didn't.
0: Uh, well, then I guess I did, but I don't think I liked it that much more than you. Like, uh, this was this was a film that I thought was interesting. Like, I I enjoyed some of the elements that they were doing in the story. I kind of enjoyed the concept of family and and this idea of of uh, you know figuring out that your parent is actually a person. And has a story and history of their own that you never really knew because you were a kid and you just never saw that i I enjoyed that element of the story like there were some interesting things that that happened in there uh that being said, it never really gelled in any way successfully for me and i I kept kind of waiting for it to kind of hit me you know in in some you know grander. Element and it just it never quite did and so I was like huh, okay well and then it got to the end and I, was, I got a little I felt it really got muddled by the time we got to the end and, and um, so we'll definitely talk about that because it sounds like you had some issues with the ending as well
1: yeah it was I, so I struggle a little bit with how I think about this movie because and I and I've been very excited to hear your your opinion because I recognized pretty early in the movie that this movie was not made for me right that i was i am not the intended audience of this movie i thought it was an absolute slog it could not i mean i just there was no pace to it uh and i didn't find the characters uh interesting compelling i was not into once the the mother-daughter story uh was um you know it was it was painted with this really broad brush of uh you know mom having so many sort of cultural complications that made her a petulant mother which is which is a rare character strain right a, a petulant mother yeah that uh but but at the same time like there was i i they were unable to conjure any interest for me to actually hear and see how that relationship ends up getting you know, resolved. If you know what I mean? Like I just was not into like, they were in the bathhouse and they had this like 15 second resolution kind of sequence after so many of the flashbacks after so much of the understanding is kind of unveiled after the daughter finds out that her mother was actually Japanese you know so many of those those things ends up end up getting resolved that was the most sort of unrequited kind of resolution sequence i felt like how there's is, there's is nothing in here that makes me care about the mother daughter relationship anymore it was it, it like it, i i thought they were going to lead me toward a rebuilding between the two and i never really got there
0: yeah i i feel like there was a little bit but it never in a way that that really worked for me and i i, I guess that's the the conflict that I have with the the way that the story is presented. It really feels like Hu Yin's story, that, uh, played by Maggie Chung. I think she's, you know, a great actress. I generally have enjoyed seeing her in the films I've seen her in. Uh, she plays the daughter, and we actually start with her in London. She's, uh, as we find out, she actually left home when she was uh, pretty much as soon as she could. She wanted to get out. She's going to school. She's getting her uh, uh, master's in London. And really, just kind of has this life where she wants to be a journalist, but she's she also kind of acknowledges it through voiceover, and there's plenty of voiceover in the film. She's the sort of person who never really is that aware of what's going on in the world, other than like just kind of the the clips that she sees on TV and stuff. So we're setting her up as this type of character who is very kind of. I, Really, to a certain extent, kind of has a self-centered element with her. And, um, which I, I thought was interesting as that was explored in the film because. As we see, you know, we kind of she ends up coming home because her sister's getting married. She didn't get the big job at the BBC that she was hoping for. She needed kind of a change. And so she decides she'll you know, her mom wants her to come home and she doesn't want to. But with everything else going on, she decides to. So that kind of sets our story in motion. She goes back to Hong Kong for her sister's wedding. And that's where all the conflict begins, because mom, as you said, is very petulant. Uh, really kind of shockingly so it it, this kind of way where i'm like what is going on with mom like why does she act this way with her daughter and then you really start seeing oh she really like guilt trips all this stuff because her daughter left all this sort of stuff so you start kind of seeing there are these elements and mom really holds a grudge against her daughter for basically uh, never being there for her never Kind of connecting with her, always hating her, and uh so I don't know from the beginning, I, I was like, you know it's actually a really interesting setup. I liked kind of the way that we're set up with these characters uh just just from that initial setup did you did you find anything interesting
1: yeah i i I found hope, I found hope <laughs> right i I felt like i i this was going to be potentially an interesting story because I I do like the idea of unveiling this history, this like secret history. Uh, you know that this this you know she is learning her story becomes a vessel to tell mom's story, and I think that could have been really compelling, right? This whole idea that as she learns, it's not really Hu Yen's story at all. It is her mother's story. And as she learns about her mother, she learns about herself, right? That that becomes kind of the log line of the of the spiritual intent of the movie. And it never quite gets there. In fact, it's, you know, most of the sequences that that deal with the um the actual um, reveal of the mystery are just kind of ham-fisted expositiony stuff, like that. That makes it feel much more like a like is there a Chinese um, alternative for for like Lifetime or is it just Lifetime? Um, because it really felt like kind of a movie of the week, sort of Lifetime soap opera. Like it felt, it, it did not feel like an an artful reveal of the emotional struggle that that mom went through that made her the way she was. And uh and, and I think there are hints of 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 that, of of being the way she was, but I, I I didn't feel like I really connected with them. So let's go to the flashbacks, right? That's really where it all starts for mom as a little girl.
0: Not not mom as a little girl, uh Hu Yin is a little girl.
1: We actually yeah, we actually never see mom as a little girl, right? No. We no, see her always... as a as a young woman when she gets married. So of her as a young woman, um is was she already you know, the, the petulant mother to be at that point, or was it really on the shoulders of the grandparents that made her the way she is?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would think it was the grandparents. Like I didn't feel that there was an issue with mom. Uh, You know, I I feel like uh, this is one of those films where I feel like being from the area is probably going to help a lot to yes. contextualize with the history and everything, you know, all the talk about Manchuria and the war going on between uh, Japan and China, all these different elements and how in context of, uh, you know, what we find out is the story about who Yin's father had been a, a Chinese soldier um, who, a, a translator who had helped, um, you know, Aiko—that's that's, uh, that's uh, Hu Yin's mother. Um, when she tries to stop one of the trucks because there's a, there's a baby that needs help, and the two of them fall in love. And it was very much kind of that culture clash of a Japanese and, and a Chinese person falling in love with each other um, while they were off in in Manchuria. And uh, it it just turned into an interesting element of kind of that whole political um, dynamic of. Marrying somebody from the other side. And again, I, if I had a better understanding of the history of this particular area, I feel like I would have gotten a lot more out of the story Uh, as it is. I think there are enough bits and pieces for me to kind of piece it together. You know, I, I, I mean, I generally get a sense of what's happening, but it took me a little longer. And, and, so that was frustrating. Like I, I couldn't at all figure out why the grandparents were so hateful toward her. Like what was going on with these grandparents where they wouldn't even let her do any of the parenting like they, and the kids, they just, I mean, they were spoiled brats that, you know, the grandparents did everything for them. And if mom tried to do something, um, parental, the grandparents would step in and 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 take them away, and so I was like, "There is some funky dynamic here that I just don't understand." And um, so I, I found it to be interesting, but I also found it to be very frustrating uh, for mom. And I was like, "What is going on?" And I didn't realize she couldn't speak the language. You know, she, you know, there was this this wall between them. And also the parents being Chinese, they looked down on her. So there was a lot of these elements that I just missed. And, you know, I was able to kind of pick it up later as we start learning and putting these pieces together. But I think initially that made it harder for me to figure out. Um, But I, I never really looked at it as mom's problem. Like once I started figuring out what was going on, I was like, OK, so the grandparents are really the one. It really is prejudice and uh these these opinions they have of the other that really kind of pushed her down forced her to not be a part of her kids' lives and i mean even when she and and her husband are going back to hong kong the kids opt to stay with the grandparents i mean these parents had no agency it was very frustrating <laughs> that they do so little for the kids that that kind of drove me nuts but that being that being said I, it i i i don't know if i got um, enough really to kind of piece all that together as effectively as I would have liked you know yes. uh, it's yeah. there but it just wasn't as effective as it could have been
1: well and that's that I think gets back to you know the the question that I had early on which is I didn't like the movie it clearly was not made for me and <laughs> would this have been better if I spoke Cantonese Mandarin and Japanese and actually had had a, a broader understanding? you know when, when we were in Korea, I, this was the th- this was the bit of perspective shift that I feel like this movie was trying to convey that I was unable to latch onto. We're in Korea, and we're talking to some folks about you know um, you know about history, and they reflect to us that uh how thankful. They were that the U.S. dropped the atomic bomb, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? That, that was amazing because it, it effectively liberated the Korean peninsula. Um, that was coming from the perspective, my perspective, which was, Oh, you know what? We should probably not drop massive bombs on other countries, uh, that was uh, a perspective shift for me that I had not yeah. uh, ever really considered, right? It, it's it's all a, a grass is greener conversation. And I am unable to connect with that in this movie because I have such a, uh, a shallow connection to the Japanese invasion of Manchuria, right? I, I like the whole 1930s and 40s of, uh, you know, historical war play in the area is is lost to me so that i feel like i can't understand the drama that they lay out here but what i do know is what i see on screen when mom goes crazy and starts slapping her daughter about the head and back because she won't cut her hair and put a dress on and the grandparents come in and rescue her and give her a snack and take her off to to school Uh, i i see that as you know oh my goodness like Come come on. Like mom is not a a, she's unfit to be a mother in the first place. Right. She's not like (laughs) I I get all the other things, but she's a bad mom. I found myself on team team grandma early
0: and that's funny. I I was completely opposite you. I'm like, these kids have been so spoiled by these grandparents that they won't (laughs) even sit down for a haircut (laughs) <laughs> these kids are ridiculous. They need some. They need some stronger parenting. I'm not saying mom's decision to kind of go, you know, to town on her daughter and start smacking her uh, was the right way to do it. But right. it's like they they weren't getting any parenting. And and I was. It was a very upsetting situation seeing these grandparents spoil the kids left and right. Mom <laughs> couldn't do anything about it. Dad was gone it drove me nuts and so the whole thing was just a very frustrating situation for me and uh, it's it's just one of those things that i mean no matter how you slice it raising children this way is going to in some form or another present conflict at some point in life yeah, because yeah. there's there are so many elements that just aren't working in the in the parenting process
1: well and so then uh, so clearly we we both did not like it for opposite reasons <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't work at all there. Let's let's go back to Hu Yen, right? Because I don't feel like Hu Yen as an adult demonstrates the outcome of those challenges of her youth. Do you know what I mean? Like, she seems like a really straight up person. Like, she's doing fine.
0: Yeah, she does. But like I said earlier, she seems very self-centered. Like, her motivations have never been to connect with her mother when she, when they're essentially... They have to move to Hong Kong eventually to live with their parents because, uh, her grandfather has decided to go off and fight with the Chinese army. Uh, so they, they pretty much, the kids have to go to Hong Kong. She's very resentful and, you know, we don't get a whole lot of the childhood. We get little bits and pieces, but it seems like she's just very much kind of a self-centered, focused on herself, doesn't really pay attention to anything else going on in the world or it's all about her. And, and so, I got that. You know, I, I was able to kind of read that with her growth. And she certainly seemed that way, um, you know, uh, as an adult. Um, although, I mean, she still seemed like she was having fun and everything. But I, I felt like there were several things that did point out, uh, and, and even in her voiceover, her focus is really on her world. And that's that was pretty much it.
1: I was okay with that. I, I think some of that, too, is a <laughs> is a West versus East discussion. And there are hints of that in here, too, where, you know, she goes off to London. She goes off to London yeah. for her academics. She gets her master's degree. She's like she's doing her thing as an independent young woman in the 70s, Um which which I I thought that was great. That's fine. Um And then they start peppering hints of the West versus East in other areas like like grandpa. Right. He wanted to learn Western medicine, but his father owned an Eastern medicine shop, so he had to become an, a doctor of Eastern medicine. And so what what is the purpose of that? Like, what are they teasing us with that, again, structurally feels unrequited to me? Why do we keep coming back to these little teases of Westernization and desire from multiple characters to be more Western that I, I I just I feel like the film doesn't ever actually answer that question.
0: It it really doesn't. Um, and that I I don't know if that's something that's also connecting to kind of the modern 1990 Hong Kong where the film was made. Yeah, you know, and 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 kind of putting a a, a place in because I mean 1990 Hong Kong uh, transitioned over sh- uh, back to China shortly after that, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that whole idea of um, you, know, you know, Chinese rule, British rule. You know, I, I think there definitely was something about that uh, sensibility in that place at that particular time, and so that's that's my sense. Although, to your point, I never quite got uh, a clear answer on that. So it's 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 a difficult one. That that to your point, it, it never was quite fleshed out that well
1: no and and yet all the things like the, our first major sequence getting ready for the wedding is all about like how can we look more sort of western like i i can't imagine that the miracle of chinese style came up with the permanent i know china is responsible for a lot of innovation on the planet but the permanent i don't believe is one of them i think that was a uniquely Western. Treatment and that was the thing that they wanted to do, right? I mean, everybody had to go to the hairstylist to get the permanent and look,
0: well, you know, more fashionable. Mom wanted mom mom wanted to right do. right. She mom was dragging everybody along wanted that done, and she wanted wanted them to get it done. She wanted them. She wanted everybody wearing a red dress because it was a, it was an odd thing where she really wanted uh, a sense of connection between them all. Right. She wanted them to look like family, and that was very key to her and i think that became a big part of mom as a character is this idea of you know uh, i was never we never had this connection so i'm i'm doing what i can to force the connection that we are one because i don't feel it because you've never loved me back you've always hated me and resented me and so i'm going to do what i can to at least create a facade that this is uh that this is a family and we are Yeah, if we can't be
1: a family we'll at least look like one
0: exactly right yeah it's an it's an interesting element and the the perm aspect of it certainly feels um, again I think that goes to that whole western eastern thing that you were talking about and that whole you know british colony versus chinese uh you know part of china as hong kong in the 90s as it, it you would make its transition later in that uh decade it's it's an interesting element to include and my my hunch is it just is one of those things that a lot of people probably dealt with while uh while hong kong was uh, was very much going through this uh transition and um all well all the way up through the transition the whole idea of being par- right there next to china but you know, here we are, a British colony for as yeah, long China, as it was. China, not China, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well,
1: and and exactly. we, you know, Japan is reckoning with its rebuilding too for yeah. for so many decades. That that I mean, clearly, there's a lot of of sort of emotional, historical underpinning, undercurrent here that that again, I don't feel equipped to to speak to. Structurally, would the movie had been better? Had it you know for an international audience? Let's I'll say that specifically. Had it been a little bit more overt in in some of the um unraveling of the conflict, I I would say probably yes.
0: I I, I, I think do, it would have to, yeah. 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 I
1: I didn't have enough to connect to no. to, to the movie. Yeah. And yeah. and I don't know necessarily that the individual performances were um demonstrative of of that. I, I mean I, I liked I, I like Maggie Chung. I don't I mean was she was she written in a way that that you feel like she uh was given something to really show off in this movie still pretty early for her
0: Well I mean you know it was it was really kind of the transition it really was her journey with her mom like when she goes to Japan when mom finally realizes there's nothing for me here I'm going to go back home to Japan my brother said I can go um and he'll take me in again and th- this is a family that she had left You know, when she got married to her husband, her Chinese husband, she kind of shut the door with that family and here she is finally returning. And that whole journey she has. And this is where I think the film uh, definitely there's there's a a stronger journey in the film for Hu Yin as she's with her mom and kind of this is where she finally gets to see, oh, mom is an actual person. One, Mom's Japanese, I had never known. It was always the secret that nobody ever talked about, uh, which I found to be very interesting, especially as Hu Yin now is is grappling with the fact that she's also half Japanese, which she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then the, the journey that Aiko takes as she reconnects with her brother and his wife, with old friends, old rivals, one of the things that I found interesting, I, I, again, it wasn't dealt with as much as it could have been but I thought it was really interesting when she goes to meet up with her other brother oh god they, I love that meet, okay yeah, yes they meet yeah. up at a, a, at a restaurant and they have a scene where they're they're going to reconnect and we don't we we follow um, Hu Yin and her uncle as they go off on a walk to leave the two of them Aiko and her brother to talk and when we come back we find out that um, they had fought and Aiko was gone and as it turns out her brother and I thought this was really interesting. Her brother had been a kamikaze pilot, yeah. and uh, as it as we find out, as as the brother says, he's still at war. He never really kind of got over everything. Though he was a kamikaze pilot, the war ended. He never was able to kind of fulfill his mission, and always carried that. And that was like, wow, I never really thought about that in context of kamikaze pilots and how, like, mentally, oh, the end of a war could kind of put you in a place where you feel. Incomplete.
1: Oh, I love that idea so much. I love that that part of this movie exists. And the fact that they settle in to have their conversation and we cut outside and hear the exposition about it drives me bonkers. Just (laughs) bonkers. Like that, that is that gets to the meat of teaching me something, right? I get to learn a new perspective that I had never, that, that I can both wrap my head around because I have my own cultural baggage around what a kamikaze pilot is and does. But now to to watch, you know, to watch that played out on screen with these characters who have a, a certain age and and temperament, I think that could have been just great. I love the idea and it it just, it, it felt like it could have been a real high point in the mother's journey to reconnect that we never got. Right. So I, I, man, that I'm so glad you, that was one that I I wrote down in my notes with many exclamation points. Uh, I thought that was so, so interesting.
0: Very much so. And And I agree. Like, keep stay with that so we yeah. can follow along with it don't just fill us in on uh through voiceover yeah. as she's talking with her uncle and, and you know, it would have been a really interesting conversation to have and to see that play out I've, and that was one of those moments i'm like did ann hui uh this I, we haven't talked about the fact that this is a semi kind of a fictionalized autobiography of her life i think that she was um yeah she was born in manchuria and then she went to uh, to film school in London, and so she. There were parts of her life that she was kind of pulling apart. Uh, her her mother was Japanese, her father was Chinese. Um, she had moved to Macau uh, to live with her grandparents. So a lot of these different elements came from her own life, but then she kind of modified it a little bit to kind of create this uh, more complicated story. I I don't know. Part of me wonders if uh if if she had stuck more with her own story, if if I, I would have felt more of the journey. But I feel like moments like that are we staying with with Hu Yin because it is quote her story as opposed to staying with Aiko as she has this conversation with her brother. And I feel like that's those are moments where I feel like, you know, it could have been a stronger film if we stayed with Aiko instead of uh, going off with uh, with Hui Yin. so i don't know i i feel like it was a story decision that she made and i i don't know i don't know how i feel with feel about it
1: It, yeah well it was a lack of it was a lack of commitment to to my eye like i i wanted it to commit to um uh, I, I felt like the mother had the more interesting story and i wanted to commit to that and there were uh, there were so many bits of uh Hui yin that i i didn't feel added enough to that story. I think that's where really where I'm where I'm coming down. There was a a bit that I wanted to to just clarify with you. The the cleaning the house bit.
0: Okay, with uh with her with her aunt.
1: Yeah, I get, that was her aunt. Okay.
0: And they don't speak the same language. Aunt her aunt speaks Japanese and she's speaking um Cantonese. Uh,
1: okay. Um there was a mistake of language here it starts very simply and i think in, in terms of dissecting the scene i think it's a good bit of humor she says you know are you hungry and, <laughs> and she yen shakes her hands no as if she's not hungry but the ant somehow is not able to to understand that they don't speak the same language is that that's the that's the setup <sighs> Because the aunt then she, who then goes and sits down and starts shoveling food in her face, and the aunt says, Oh, I thought you weren't hungry. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I wrote in my notes, The aunt is really stupidly confused. Yeah. I'm like, It's been made clear they don't speak the same language. Like, why? Yeah. Like, the way that that played out, I'm like, are, I mean, she knows they don't speak the same language. Why is she? trying to have this conversation and then why is she misinterpreting everything that Hu yin says and does thinking that she's understanding her like it just that drove me nuts it just straight up drove me nuts
1: it is the definition of willful ignorance to be right that is that is a real problem and so i already am struggling with the comedic element that i think she's trying to insert into the film here that it's kind of funny this this cultural misunderstanding but then she does she go and sell the house out from under her mother (laughs) like is is that is that the upshot because that's never resolved
0: (laughs) i think the aunt no it is it it is resolved i mean there's there is a conversation earlier in the film about something involving some property Mm -hmm. um that she and her brother like i i I thought maybe it was the family home and she and her brother co-owner she owns it or something like that uh, but she was gonna turn it over to her brother i can't remember exactly what happened but there was something but then the aunt has this conversation misunderstands everything um but then as it turns out Later, we have the resolution when her aunt is like, oh, your sister or your mother decided that we could stay and it's fine. And so it's like, yeah, but that's because you were having a conversation with someone who doesn't speak the language. You ding dong. Yeah,
1: Yeah. she was. That's how she was trying to resolve it was that she ended up speaking to somebody who does speak the language. She spoke to. Well,
0: when when her when Ico finally came back home, she talked to them and had that resolution. Like, oh, no, no, I'm not selling the place. You can keep it Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was a, that was a strange moment. There were a few things like that in the film that I'm just like, where are we going here? Like, I, I don't feel like that's uh, other than creating that kind of comedic confusion of languages. It just didn't yeah. lend itself to this story that we were telling.
1: No, not not at all. I, I it was it was a bit baffling, and I didn't necessarily find it funny. And I I wondered if maybe that is yet again another example of a. Chinese interpretation of language barrier that I don't understand. So I'm absolutely willing to leave that out there. But let me tell you what, and this is probably a, a better topic for a later retake episode, but let me tell you what I, I didn't see in A Simple Life any of these kinds of things, right? A Simple Life, it was a movie that felt like it had the same sort of tone and texture as a filmmaker and Hui but structurally i didn't have any of these kinds of issues and found that really surprising just how far she has come between 1990 and 2000 what was it 12 2011 um hello 2011 as a <laughs> uh, right, 10, right, year 10 years <laughs> right <laughs> i do math good <laughs> um so i i thought that was was really interesting she is she's come a long way it it it's uh i i I found this film clumsier than that one.
0: And I you know, I do feel there is something when uh storytellers, filmmakers have a story, especially if it's a like an autobiographical element of their own life that they're they're kind of working through that sometimes it doesn't end up making the best film like it, mm-hmm. they're dealing with their own issues and putting it into the film and in telling the story with it but because of that because of their immediate connection to that story they have a harder time Adjusting the actual story in ways that make for a better final product, and uh, you know, I, I feel like I see that a number of times in these, um, you know, biographical pieces, and it, it, I, I find it frustrating in this particular case.
1: Just that they pick the wrong part of the timeline.
0: I don't even think that it's just like the wrong <laughs> perspectives. Like they they can't, you know, they're they're seeing it from their own perspective, and they can't let go of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to talk a little bit about um, the very end because uh, she comes home, you know, they they decide to go back to Hong Kong. Mom, what I loved about that actual uh, ending is that mom acknowledges, you know, I don't like the food here in Japan as much. I really enjoy the food in Hong Kong now. Like she, like that acknowledgement of like, I'm my own person and I'm okay being alone in Hong Kong. Like I, I enjoyed that recognition that mom had of, you know, being who she is. Like that actually was great for me. I enjoyed that. What we do find out though, is that, um that her grandfather, uh, Hu Yin's grandfather had had a stroke. He was still, you know, strong and fighting and defending China and all this sort of stuff. And so, Hu Yin goes back and visits her grandparents. They're very old and sickly. The whole place is just kind of like, I don't know, just seems dingy. There's an odd thing that I I really didn't understand what was going on. It looks like they were taking uh, care of like a, a mentally impaired child. And like the way that they were acting with that child, the way that grandpa was talking, like just everything seemed like Hu Yin was finally recognizing, gosh, they're not that great you know, I, I, my memories were so rosy, but it's like, it's not that great here. Mm-hmm. Like, is that what we were meant to get? Because then we have this, this moment when Hu Yin goes out and cries and we got some great closeups of, of Maggie Chung's face as she's crying. And then we get a few random shots, like a shot of a house and then a shot of a bridge and the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I'm not sure what just happened with the end of the film, but. Well, I your- didn't
1: know. Did, did, did grandpa die right then?
0: I I don't know. It seemed like he was just going to sleep. She's but... getting like choked on incense
1: and then it, it goes out the window. Yeah. And I thought that was a way to to sort of indicate, oh, she's sad also because this is the end of his life.
0: Maybe. I don't know. It was that was confusing. It was very confusing. My
1: notes my notes end in a scrawl of profanity on this page. So
0: <laughs> Well, it was a frustrating end because I'm like, okay, I get it. She's like she came back to the grandparents, didn't find the rosy memories that she had. And But see,
1: I thought she came back to the parents because he was ill.
0: Like that was a part of it. No. She came back to the parents because grandpa was going off to war with China. My goodness. Yeah, he was he was ready to join the join the Red Army and and yeah. so he kind of kicked the kids kids out. Well, you gotta go live with your parents now.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I
0: I don't care for it. At the end, he's ill. He had that stroke and, yeah, but...
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, kind of a frustrating end to the film.
1: uh, Does our conversation make it worse for you?
0: or better. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, okay. there are elements that I think work in the film. Like I I do enjoy some of the elements. I enjoy this connection that uh that this this grown woman finally has with her mother, finally realizing these things about her mom. Like I I found some really interesting elements in the film. In context of the full story, I don't think it was structured as well as it could have been. There are elements that for me just like don't give me what I needed and um yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting film. It it wasn't the greatest, but, uh, you know, it was an interesting watch. I, it, I I did find the YouTube upload that we had. I mean, I'm glad that it was subtitled. Although, wow, were those subtitles like right on the edge of title safe because I, I couldn't even watch it on my TV. They they all cut off they on get the cut bottom off, edge. Yeah. So I ended yeah. up having to watch it on my laptop. But
1: Yeah, it, we were not gifted with the best uh, copy of this movie. But, it, you know, on the upside, it is on YouTube, and it is is—it's yeah, perfectly serviceable. Um, yeah, you know, oh, I totally. don't feel like
0: I missed anything
1: from the story.
0: Nope. Definitely not. So, alright. Well, we will be right back, everybody, uh, but first our credits.
1: The Next Reel is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Ian Post featuring Aya Ishida, Oriol Novella, and Eli Catlin Andy usually finds all the stats for the awards and numbers at the-numbers.com boxofficemojo.com imdb.com and wikipedia.org Find the show at truestory.fm and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews please consider doing that for our show Andy how to it do at award season
0: it wasn't a big awards film. It had two wins, five other nominations. At the Asian Pacific Film Festival, it did win Best Film, tying with the film Buddies. At the Golden Horse Film Festival, it won Best Original Screenplay. It lost Best Feature Film to Red Dust, and it also lost Best Makeup and Costume Design to Red Dust. And then at the Hong Kong Film Awards, it was nominated for three awards, Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay. Uh, for Best Picture and Director, it lost to Wong Kar-wai's uh, Days of Being Wild, and best screenplay lost to Queen of Temple Street. So, you know, it was it, it had a minor uh minor bit of recognition. And I think this was actually the film that Taiwan um or it was selected as the Taiwanese entry for Best Foreign Language film at the Oscars, but it did not end up uh becoming a nominee.
1: Hmm. And Days of Being Wild, also with Maggie Chung. That's one I
0: need to watch. I have not seen that one yet. Have you?
1: No i haven 't in in fact uh Maggie Chung, I think you could say i 've seen well uh, in the mood for love and hero, obviously, so pretty much i've seen the Maggie Chung movies that we 've done for this show <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it um i <laughs> yeah. i, I I've, I've, i'm trying to remember if I saw the one of the police story movies that she was in oh right, of or, course i 've seen the police story movies, but otherwise um uh, yeah i I don't think I've seen much more of her either. I keep feeling like of oh no, police story three, super cop, so I did see her in that one. Yep. Um and uh yeah,
1: not much. Did you see her as cat in It's a Drink, It's a Bomb, 1985's five's hit, It's a Drink, It's a Bomb. <laughs>
0: I guess I missed did that. Did you see one. that? I missed that one. Oh, I saw her in, I think I I saw her in Chinese Box. That was the uh, Wayne Wang film with Jeremy Irons. That was really kind of all about the transition uh, for Hong Kong. Um, In the Mood for Love, Hero 2046. Um, I saw
1: 2046 too. Yeah. So I've seen more than that.
0: She was in a deleted scene for Inglorious Bastards. How interesting. (laughs) I need to watch that deleted scene.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel better about that then. I, I, I can safely say I liked her in most of those things better than this. (laughs) <laughs> All right.
0: I mean it felt very um melodramatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. How to do uh, at uh, the box
0: office just make any money? Boy, I tell you, considering how difficult it is to find many of Hui's films here in the U.S., it should come as no surprise that there's not a lot of budget-wise information either, particularly the farther back in time we look. For this film, I couldn't find anything related to its budget, unfortunately. The film did open April twenty seventh, 1990, in Hong Kong, but as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't look like it ever even played in theaters here in the U.S. Outside of that, I also couldn't find any, any info on the, on the box office, so uh, that's where we sit with this one
1: adjusted profit per finish minute of null
0: null null right. and void
1: well i'm i wish i i wish i loved it better i wish it i loved it better that's uh that should have been the subtitle
0: <laughs> <laughs> i you know it's it's an interesting story it has elements that that did work for me but those far get outweighed by the elements that that didn't work so it's frustrating it's a frustrating watch
1: all right. Uh well, we're we're going to be right back with our ratings, but first, here's the trailer for uh for next week's movie, which is Our Time. Will Come.
0: 不知道什麼地方去過一次的風, 有雷。在夜的海上, 这是救人
1: all right, Andy, Letterboxd, how did you, how do you end up rating this movie?
0: I, you know, this I struggle with. I mean, it does have things that I thought were good story elements, but it also, on the whole, just uh, felt muddled and confused. I feel like I'm going to end up giving this two stars, no heart. That's where I'm going to sit with this one. Two stars.
1: I, you know, I think I'm just, I think just to stay on brand. Of liking this movie less than you. I will also give it no heart. But I'm going to land on one and a half stars. Noting full well. That this movie was not made for me. Movies are hard. And sometimes. They just don't connect. Uh, but
0: very true very true this would have been like if we had more context if we were from the area and uh really kind of knew the history and everything a lot of this might have clicked a lot more for us but as it was it just it was it was a tough one for us so but
1: but as long as you're gonna walk watch a maggie chung movie go watch in the mood for love
0: yeah there are plenty of great ones to check out absolutely all right well what did you think about song of the exile we want to know hop into the show talk channel on discord where we will be talking about this movie this week
1: when the movie ends,
0: our conversation begins. Letterbox giveth, Andrew. As Letterboxd always doeth.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, people feel strongly about this movie, as they often do on Letterboxd.
0: There are. There's a lot of love. A lot of love. A lot of people certainly connected with it more than we did.
1: How did you? Um, how, how did? Where did you land?
0: I actually went high. I went with a four star by Katya, who has this to say. It's funny because Katya's review. I don't feel reads as a four star review, uh, but you be the judge. Four stars by Katya. Mommy issues the movie. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's cute. I almost <laughs> went with uh, Juni Ying's one-star review of stomach cramps. <laughs> it just says oh, stomach cramps. But uh, I, I ended up going with, and this is thanks to uh, a nod to uh, Blot in the Discord chat room, but I, I do, I do appreciate this one-star review from 47. I don't know how to put in words just how awful this film is. And I say this as someone who would gladly offer any of her limbs. For sacrifice to worship Maggie Chung's name. <laughs> that's really pretty gruesome. Pretty gruesome. Uh, and I is. will add that, that um, you know, we, we did not watch uh, this on a, a great format. But Ben does note in his review that the DVD is, it sounds like, uh, pretty bad. Sounds like um, that's
0: even worse, yeah.
1: Yeah, it sounds like that might be even worse. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, uh, unless that's the version that we ended up watching that had been put to YouTube. Um it's it's bad. Um so, you know, here's hoping for those who love this film, here's hoping that it gets uh it gets a little bit of polished treatment. Uh yeah. on a re-release. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. All right.
1: All right. Thanks Letterboxd.
0: You're the best.